Welcome into the NBA Morning Deuce. Pretty packed Friday episode for you guys. Anticipating coming in and just talking about tonight's game. I'm still pretty pumped. I, I, I just I'm still, despite what happened in game one, I'm still pretty excited for tonight's game. We will get to game two. Injury updates, predictions, whatnot in a moment. But there's NBA news. There's two There's two NBA stories that we're going to talk about. But right off the bat, Alex, the floor is yours. Doc Rivers is the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. He got a five-year deal to be the next head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. This is a safe space. What say you? You know what they say, right? Whenever you can hire a coach coming off one of the worst, most disappointing uh, series in playoff history, you got to do it. You got to. They go do get say them. that. I've heard that many times, particularly when, when I was in the got, league. Yeah. When you've got one of the most talented teams in the league, and you lose to um, a young team, blow a three-one lead, get fired. That's the guy you need to go get. That, that's about where I'm at. That's, that's how you feel. It's frustrating. It's the safe hire because he's got a ring. I've said it a thousand times on here. Um, he needed three Hall of Famers in their prime to get that ring. If you win a ring as a coach, you're a good coach. Um, but he's docks an underachiever in my mind. And uh, I don't have much trust in Sixers management right now to make a great hire. So this is the guy they gave us. And uh, see how this shakes out. You know what's weird to me? I, the the safe hire thing is interesting because I do think Elton Brand has heat on him because of the way this roster has sort of shaped, taken shape over the last few years. And there was a lot, there was talk after they got eliminated in the playoffs this year that he might be on the chopping block. I mean, I think it was pretty well known that Brett Brown was probably out, but I think there were some people who were calling for Elton Brand because this the roster's a mess. So and and I think you're right that the general I guess thought process would be that hiring Doc is a safe hire. And I feel like Elton Brand fell into the trap that Doc is a safe hire because he's Doc. But it's not. Like I think it's it's gonna be the thing that get, finally gets out that ends up getting Elton Brand fired because they're not gonna be, because here's the thing they're they're still not going to be very good i mean they're still going to be pretty much what they were this year next year now who knows how they are in the playoffs with a healthy ben simmons maybe things are different but i don't see doc rivers coming in and just fundamentally changing this te- like making this team that much better than brett brown made them so you know, you got this one, you pretty much have this year to figure out, right? You would agree, you pretty much have this year, right? To figure out if the Embiid Simmons thing can work. Yeah. And I, I actually have a pretty good stat on this. I was looking back. Simmons and Embiid were, they had a, a 17 net rating in That's 2017. Good. A fantastic one. This was two seasons ago. Last season, it was double digits again. This season, when you bring in Al Horford and there's more shots to go around with Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, 0.6 was their net rating when those two are on the court together. That was the lowest by far of any all-star pairs 
Um, and there's a bunch of them. Middleton and Giannis are up there around 16.6. That's their net rating. Butler and Bam. So, what, are so what do you, what's your takeaway from that? My takeaway is that Simmons and Embiid can play together successfully. We've seen it in the past. We've seen them look like all-star pairings do, where they're dominating and they're really great together on the court. So it points to that this roster really, really doesn't work. Um, like it's, I'm not at the point where Simmons and Embiid can't play together. I'm at the point where Simmons and Embiid can't play together when you've got Al Horf, uh, an Al Horford logjam and then two wing players that need shots. Like it's just, it, it, that's a regular season stat though, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. My, I, I don't deny that the Sixers can be a really good regular season team. Most teams with that kind of talent usually are very good in the regular season. My concern is more that I don't think they're ever going to win in the playoffs with that with those two. That's just me. Different people, but I think we're sort of getting to the point now where we see it's, they struggle to go deep in the playoffs. They didn't. I mean, they didn't play together in the playoffs this year. But in general, I just they don't strike me as. I mean, yes, a a, a Simmons type. And a big can win, maybe, but the big has to be so, so talented. AD, the big has to be AD. <laughs> like, it, I, it just, I don't know. I just don't think that the, they that it works. It's really partially because it's really hard to build a, a a good roster around these guys because because their uh, inability to shoot at a high level means that every other player on the floor has to be able to shoot. And as soon as you, you know, even last year, not this year, but the, the year with JJ, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris in the starting lineup, even, I mean, Jimmy Butler's not a good shooter. Good. Great. I mean, he's, he's, just, mm -hmm. he's decent, right? He can, yeah. But and honestly, T Tobias Harris has only been a great shooter for like one half of a season. Right. So I'm but I, but at least they're capable shooters. Yeah. So it's hard. It's it's really hard to put that type of roster with these guys and then also build out depth. It just it, it's proven to be really not. Super, I mean, the best chance they had was two years ago. That roster should have gone deeper probably than it did. That that lost to, on the Kawhi shot. But yeah. the point here is whether they can be successful or not, I just don't know. My biggest takeaway from this is that Doc must have gotten fired. Like there was different reports. Some people were saying he got fired. Some people were saying he was they split they parted ways and this and that. I just don't see a scenario where Doc Rivers is like, I'm gonna I don't want to co coach Kawhi Leonard anymore. I'm gonna go coach <laughs> Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Yeah, like that's it, a great point. It yeah, just that's doesn't exactly what happened. It it doesn't make any sense to me, and and like, to like like I said when he let when when they parted ways, if they actually mutually parted ways, it would have made more sense for me for Doc to take some time off because the only reason he would have walked away is if he was just like burnt out from coaching, but the right. fact that he went immediately to Philly, immediately convinced Elton Brand that he was the guy leads me to believe the Clippers told him it was time to go, and they let him seem like he didn't get fired. I completely agree. Um, no chance. No chance you leave that Clippers roster to coach this Sixers roster unless <laughs> you were forced out. Um, I want to circle back to the safe hire thing. Just yeah. When I say safe hire, I mean from an ownership standpoint where the owners 
can, you know, pander to their fan base and be like, hey, we've got a guy that can win now. We've got a guy with a ring. That's what I mean by safe hire. So I'm totally with you in the sense that it's 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 not. Oh a safe yeah, hire no, I know. But I think, the, I guess my problem is is the fans aren't dumb. You know, it's now Philly fans are irrational, but a lot of fan bases are irrational, but they're not dumb. Like you can't, you're you're not gonna be. I don't think you would know better than I would, but can can ownership go to Philly fans and be like, Hey guys, look, we got a championship coach and people are gonna be happy about it. Uh, so like any fan base, there's intelligent fans and there's not intelligent fans. So, okay. I think Sixers ownership thinks that they can, you know, really impress with this hire. And I'm already seeing plenty of, I mean, not really on Twitter. I'm not on there too much, but, um, people that I know diehards of this team are not thrilled with this hire whatsoever. Um, and the diehards typically are your intelligent fan that sees through the smokescreen here. I mean, he just came off of a huge disappointment. Uh, he had great rosters with the Clippers even before this Kawhi thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, his only ring is with uh, an epic Celtics team. Um, no, no. So to answer your question, I don't think the uh, really plugged in intelligent Philly fan is excited about this hire. That's an you know that's funny that you that you brought up even before this Kawhi Paul George team. This Philly roster that he's taking over is probably the third best team he's coached. Like, or, or well, ex- excuse me, the fourth best team he's coached. I would agree. Right? I mean, because the no Celtics, Paul, champ- yeah. the championship team is the best. Mm-hmm. This past year's roster was supposed to win a championship. And then Chris Paul, J.J. Redick, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, all in their primes, is better than what you have on the Sixers right now. Right. And, but, and, so but, I, and he failed. Yeah. So, and so what, what is it that they so think the he's going to that- just suddenly do? The big question mark there with the roster you just mentioned was that Chris Paul really did get injured like all of those years where they were contenders. So like that's where you're like, okay, maybe if Chris Paul stays healthy, Doc Rivers' career has a different narrative. It's still a huge question mark. Or maybe if Doc Rivers isn't Chris Paul's coach, his career has a different narrative. Exactly, yeah. Two question marks. You know, because Um, as soon as Chris Paul left and went to Houston, they went to the conference finals. Yeah, and I I think you made a great point recently when you said – you know, Doc should think about taking a year or two off, step back, reevaluate some things. Like, I think that there, I think Doc's the kind of guy that can, you know, maybe change his philosophy, change some things, have a renaissance down the road, be a really great coach. But this seems rushed and it seems like he's boxing himself into a bad situation where the pressure is on immediately. This is not a rebuild. This is a fan base that thinks this team is good enough to win now. Um, so the pre- it's it's a high pressure situation, a log jam of a roster, and he's obviously not at his best right now as a coach. So, I mean, yeah, and that I think recipe that, doesn't sound too good. And I think the, the 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 for the Sixers, you you go into next season at best, you start the season as the maybe the fourth, probably the fourth best team in the East, and I think that's generous. Yeah, yeah, and so it's going to be a an uphill battle to get where Sixers fans think they're ready to go. And what ends up happening is if it's a disaster, you're probably trading Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. And then you're totally rebuilding this team with doc for another four years. So it's, and if Elton brand gets fired, don't be surprised to see doc just take over and do the whole front office coaching thing, which always fails, but it's just, yeah, it, 
I don't know. I don't love it. And then the other, th- the, uh, so then the question now becomes, what about Mike D'Antoni? Dude, I'm, I really want him to get the Pelicans job or to take the Pelicans job. I bet he could have it if he wanted it. I just think that'd be so, just he, as a fan, that would be really cool. I mean, like a week ago, he was the favorite. Yeah. Maybe not oh, even a week ago. Yeah, yeah. Not even a week ago. Maybe three days ago, four days ago. Like, he was the favorite to get that job. So now I, Houston is still available, which obviously he's not getting. Uh, Indy, New Orleans. I think he easily could have had the Philly job if he wanted it. This is a guess on my part. I don't think he, I think he looked at the roster and said, thanks, but no thanks. You think they would so, have easily hired him over Doc? I do, yeah. Because, hmm. I mean, he's got a rapport with the franchise. Like, Brett Brown helped him, you know, get back into the league. Um, people loved him when he was here. I think that was their number one for sure. Interesting. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans would be interesting. I, I think they're looking for a long-term coach. Although now Ty Lue is the favorite to get the Clippers is what people are saying. So, uh I don't know what the long-term answer is would be in New Orleans. So I, I don't know. He's not Dan Mike D'Antoni's not a player development coach. He's like a win now coach. So mm-hmm. which every team wants to win now, but they also have a lot of developing to do in New Orleans. We'll see. So speaking of coaching, this that's a good trans this is a that's a professional transition. Speaking of coaching, Kyrie Irving was on a podcast with it was Kevin Durant's podcast. I'll be honest with you. The idea of listening to like a over an hour conversation of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant talking to each other is like, strikes me as like stabbing my, like just stabbing my eardrums with needles. (laughs) Like I, 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 so I don't know what show it was from and I don't know if it was Katie. I think it's Katie's podcast. I don't know, but some comments went, Basically blew up because so there's two different ones. The first one is they were talking about I they were talking about Steve Nash and the coaching situation in Brooklyn. And Kyrie's comment was, "I don't really see us having a head coach. KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. Jock Vaughn could be a head coach and could do it one day. It's a collaborative effort." That's not true. You have a head coach, Steve Nash. Well, it might be true that he doesn't really see them having a head coach because that dude is on a different planet half the time. And this is, and this, although if Kevin, I still contend that if Kevin Durant is healthy, they're going to be fine and they're going to be super competitive. But this guy is such a clown that this is the thing that could really ruin this. And now I'm convinced they got to trade Spencer Dinwiddie in the offseason. They have to. Because there's going to be a lot of stretches. I can see stretches in next in next year where Dinwiddie plays better than Kyrie. And it just becomes a contentious situation. Same with Karis LeVert. But at least they play different positions. But I, I Kyrie already seems like he's going to be a mess in Brooklyn. Especially if... Steve Nash is not great from the beginning. Kyrie Irving, he, he might be a smart guy, you know, but he's a person to me that thinks he is so much smarter than every person in the room. Maybe he's a smart guy, okay, but Kyrie is not a genius by any stretch of the imagination, and he talks like 
like he has these otherworldly, you know, understandings. Yep. And he's just a guy, like he's a great athlete. Um, might have the best handles in the league for whatever that that's worth. But like, I just, this is why the Nets have, haven't scared me. Like they have KD. That's what they have. That's why the Nets are what they are. But Kyrie to me is like, he's almost like a boon to your team. I, I yeah. Just, I, I'm not, mm-hmm. he's first of all, he doesn't stay healthy and he's just a nuisance in the locker room. There's, I just, I won't bat an eye when this thing blows up next year. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't make it to the end of the, end of the year as a net. Uh, I would. You mean like that they might trade him? Yeah, I bet. Like I could see it blowing up. That's how much of a knucklehead this guy is. Interesting. I, I well, I mean, I could see the situation blowing up. I don't see them trading Kyrie. It could be wrong. Um, I mean, if you're Steve Nash and you're looking at this quote, I don't really see us having a head coach. Huh. Well, like, uh, Kyrie, I, I am the head coach. So right, exactly. No, like we that... in fact have a head coach. It's Steve Nash. Um, so then, then that was the only that wasn't the only quote out of it. The other one, the next one's almost as absurd. Uh, they basically were talking about who's gonna talk, like shoot at the end of the game and you know clutch shooting and that type of stuff. And the quote was. Basically talking about KD, this is the first time in my career I can look down and be like, that motherfucker motherfucker can make the shot too. First time, Kyrie? Your whole career. Didn't play with LeBron. So this got tweeted out. From 2014-15 through 2016-17 in the regular season in the playoffs, when Kyrie and LeBron were both in Cleveland in the last five minutes. So clutch time, last five minutes, score within five. LeBron, 42% from the field, 37% from three in clutch situations. Kyrie, 36% from the field, 26% from three in clutch situations. And over their careers, LeBron's proven to be a better clutch player too. Kyrie has hit big shots. It's just a stupid thing to say for a guy who's supposed to be smart. It doesn't make sense. So I don't know if you heard this. So this, this is this is great. So this is why this is the kind of like passive aggressive NBA drama that I kind of like. It's like they're acting like it's not drama, but you could tell they they fucking hate each other. So I told you, I've said it. LeBron sees and hears everything. He does not miss anything. He's all over the shit, and it, it may not always be him. Maybe it's his guys, right? Because you know he's got the whole crew, and they're all you know. At media availability today, LeBron was asked about his relationship with Anthony Davis and how that's what he's learned from it and how it's impacted him as a player and whatnot. And this is LeBron's response today. Um, we we're not jealous of each other. <laughs> I think that's the the best thing in professional sports. You have guys that join forces to, you know, you call them alpha males. That's what they call them. Two guys that's been dominant in a specific sport on their own respective teams. And they get together and they talk about, okay, how dominant they can be. And they talk about this is going to be this and that. Um, I believe jealousy creeps in a lot. And 
That is the absolute contrary of what we are. We know who we are. We know what we're about. And we want the best, seriously, every single day, both on and off the floor for one another. We're just not, we're not jealous of one another. And I think that you align that with respect. I don't think the, um, I think the sky's the limit. I don't know if you could hear. He was also clapping throughout that whole thing back at Kyrie. Come on, bro. It's so obvious without, really without even having to say it, but it's so blatantly obvious what that was. Mm-hmm. And the amazing thing about LeBron, he didn't know that that question was coming. He doesn't know what questions that they're going to ask. Like, he, you don't know. They're not prepped ahead of time for media availability. He had no idea that that answer was coming. But he had it in the chamber in case something came up about AD. It was in the chamber where he's like, all right, I got something for Kyrie. And Kyrie, Amazing. whereas Kyrie knew he was going on KD's podcast and probably knew something along those lines were going to come up. And it was an hour conversation. So there was all this time to like sort of think about things. And, you know, obviously we do a podcast every day. The more you talk, the more chance that something's going to come out. You're going to think of something to say. LeBron, in an instant, here's a question and has the perfect response to not only his relationship with AD, which is probably true, but a blatant shot at Kyrie without having to say anything. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that to my attention. <laughs> I hadn't heard about any of this coming into this podcast. That that really was beautiful. Um, mainly because I just don't like Kyrie. What do you think of this? If if Kyrie wasn't on those uh, Cavs teams with LeBron, I kind of think he would be like an NBA afterthought right now. Like his he would whole... be well, he would be the captain of the all button. And he's probably yeah. still on. He's probably he is. If he, he is wasn't on the if he if he wasn't well. If we put him on the all-buster team, there's going to be some people who absolutely agree, and then there's going to be some people who are like, well, he won an NBA title, and he hit a shot to pretty much save that championship. So it's what a guy, you know, it's the, you know, yeah. you kind of look at, fi- like, every finals MVP is important. Well, then you kind of have to say the same thing about, even though he didn't win finals MVP, his performance in that finals. It's like, sure, hard absolutely. to say that a guy that did that in the finals is a buster. But... Everything else about his career points to straight up Buster. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. And so instead of being thankful for LeBron coming in and, you know, getting to play with a once in a lifetime type of player, he needs to be the guy. Goes to Boston, craters that situation immediately. Now he's going into another just unbelievable situation with KD. He'll mess that up too. I'm certain of it. Interesting. Well, they won a championship. So if winning a championship and then blowing everything up is messing it up, I'd probably take it. You sure, know what yeah, I mean? I'm not taking you know anything I mean? away from the amazing shot he hit. No, I'm, but I'm saying like, legitimate. I'm just it, saying. like, there's no doubt he messed things up in Cleveland. I'm just saying they still won a championship. So as bad and went to the ch- went to the championship four years in a row. So you know, as bad as things got. Or three years in a row with with Kyrie, right? So as bad as things got, still won a title. So it is what I and you know. So my point is, is if he messes things up with KD, but they still go to the championship, eh, whatever. But you think that he could be out? I, like, I, I'm. 
That's a bold. That's First of all, bold, that's I, bold. I, we'll remember I, that. I mean, if he gets somehow gets moved during this season, which would be, it would be just crazy to me. I just can't see it happen. I mean, what's most likely going to happen is he's going to get hurt, and then what's that'll, mo- that'll I, put I could the see. Kibosh on my I could see. Well, I just don't like him. It's weird. I'm I was going to say. He I was, I'm trying not to be. I was going to say. I was going to say. I could see Steve Nash getting fired before I could see Kyrie getting traded, but I don't know that I could see that either. Because that was such that a that would be wild. Well, but it was such a splashy hire and a risky move that I just he's make it. He'll he'll at least make it through a year. And then we'll see, but yeah, I think ugh, so. Kyrie. And now Kyrie released, and you know how Kyrie is. Let me try to play this. I haven't cut the video, but I'll try to play it into my mic so you can hear it. Like this ranting, okay. this ranting uh, video, responding to people talking about him calling out LeBron or his shot at LeBron. Me against anyone. Ready? Why must it always be brother against brother? Why? If I'm addressing anyone, I'll say their name. Come on, y'all. Don't listen to the false narratives. Let people live their lives. It's just a game. Talk about the art. Talk about the sport. You talk openly. You talk freely. But because we live in a click-based society, it becomes something bigger. You don't have to defend it. That's just what media is. It's entertainment. I'm not going to let it put me against anybody anymore at any point because that's not what it's about. We talk freely, openly, and that's our society. Say how you feel. Don't have to put me against anyone else. It's never been about that. It's about the love. Peace. The fuck is he talking about? What is he even talking about? I don't even know what he's... Half of that, I don't understand what he even said. That's a buster. I'm telling you. Kyrie Irving looks in the mirror and he sees Plato. He sees Aristotle. He thinks he's this enlightened genius. And he's just a guy. He maybe he's a smart guy. I mean, he went to Duke for a year. But like he talks like he like he has <laughs> I'm getting frustrated just talking about it. He I just can't stand him. It really dates back to the earth is flat thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny to a bunch of people, but a ton of kids heard that. And I remember some oh, there yeah. was an anecdote his, about it. His, yeah, when players. There's an anecdote yeah, good. About a teacher that broke down in tears in her own classroom because she could not convince her own fourth grade class that the earth was round because they heard Kyrie Irving say it. Yeah. Like, when famous people do that kind of damaging. shit, it's, da- it's dangerous. Source. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But that's a whole other discussion because that's just sort of where we're at right now in the world. Uh, all right, let's talk about um, tonight's game. So, Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic both doubtful for game two. Uh, Goran is an interesting thing because there's there are people saying that he could get a shot in his foot and potentially play on it. He won't be you know good, or he won't be, he won't be a hundred percent. But that the injury probably can't get worse, so there's a chance he could play in the series. Bam. It's a neck now. It's not a shoulder. Neck strain. First, it was his wrist. Like, yeah. Like so, so you know what's and now again. I'm gonna put my do- my doctor uh, hat Please on do. here. That was the that was awesome. We keep talking about how it, he's like holding his wrist, and now it comes out that it's a strained neck. I wonder if it's a nerve thing. 
I wonder, I wonder if it's, and that's what's happening is like, he's getting hit and maybe there's like a pinched nerve or something along those lines. That's like making him get like, you know, you get, if you have a, a nerve issue, you get that shooting pain. Yeah. Um, and maybe it just, this one was really bad and he needs a, you know, a game off or something. I, I don't know. I'm shocked that he's not playing. It must be really yeah. bad. That's what I'm, yeah. I think it's pretty established, even how young he is. Like, this is a tough dude, a guy that loves his team. It's got to be really, really bad for him to even be doubtful. Unless, I wouldn't unless, be shocked if he got unless, unless he just really didn't want the needle. That needle. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about that all day. Um, so he, he tells his team, look, guys, look, like, I'll do anything for you, but I just can't. I, I can't just do needle. That's I really I want this. I want this, but yeah, I'm 23 years old. Have you seen that needle, you guys? Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't want the needle. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, it's this sucks. So the Heat are now uh, nine and a half point dogs going to this. But the thing is, is like, you know. It's the kind of game where I'm like, man, watch the Heat come out and shock them. You know? See it? And we've also seen the Lakers bench go ice cold for stretches. And so we've seen it, the Lakers just, yeah, the and the Lakers in general just sort of coast when they know they're better. Now, they're in the finals. <laughs> LeBron, like we talked about, just seems so absurdly motivated at this point. And AD is playing yeah. out of his mind. So... um. I don't know that they'll have those lulls in this finals, but they've had it throughout the playoffs. Even though they've won four one, they've had these situations where they kind of like coast through games. I've been thinking a lot about what you said about going bigger, the heat that is. Yes. And like it just sound like Well, they don't have a choice I think, now. I think what they need to do is make this series as physical as possible for Anthony Davis. If Anthony Davis beats you with fall away elbow jumpers and three point shots, just tip your cap and move on. But like you said, Myers Leonard, just don't give him anything easy. That's your MO. Uh, if LeBron gets his, he gets his. If the Lakers bench shoots lights, or if the Lakers depth shoots lights out, so be it. But I think that might be where you start. When you're this outgunned with the injuries, you make this series super, super physical for Anthony Davis. I mean, yeah, you have to. And you have to, right, yeah, you have to bank on the idea that Rajon Rondo and Danny Green and Markeith Morris and Alex Caruso aren't going to shoot 60% from three. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't – defense is not I, – I, defense is not necessarily like the concern, right? It's that you lose Bam, who you play a lot of your offense through, and you lose Goron, who is your main dribble penetration guy. Like he gets into the paint, driving kick, mid-range, like he – leading scorer, all that. Um, so I've been thinking about like, what do you do? And the only thing I could think was like, they got, I, I feel like they need to speed the game up because both teams play pretty slow. The Heat are one of the slowest teams in the league. Um, and the Lakers play pretty slow too. Uh, they can play fast, especially off t turnovers and whatnot. Cause LeBron gets out in transition, but they generally are, they're a, middle of the pack to bottom half of the team in pace. Um, they also, uh, interestingly, in the, they, they, 
they only allowed teams to shoot 33 threes per game, which is the second least amount of threes taken against a team in the league. And the Heat are one of the, you know, until recently, they've fallen off quite a bit in the playoffs, their their three-point percentage. But they also don't take a ton of threes. They take 37 threes per game in the playoffs. I think they need to get out and run. They need to, like, take a look at D'Antoni style. I... And it, I know it seems crazy to just totally change the way you play your game, but you're you really you're you're basically missing your two key two of your as much as Jimmy is a key piece on offense, you're missing the two cogs to your offense right now. Your point guard mm-hmm. and your big who you run a lot of things through. So you kind of have to look at the what you have left on your roster, which is Jimmy Butler, who's who is a great playmaker. You also have Andre Godala, who's a really good playmaker off the bench. And then you got a bunch of shooters, and that includes Kelly Olynyk and Myers Leonard. Like everybody else can shoot. And Kendrick Nunn is more of a scorer, but he can shoot or he can penetrate. And then everybody else is a shooter. So to me, it's like I would come out right off the bat with Jimmy as the primary ball handler and make it like a LeBron type of situation where just surround him with shooters and just go, 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 push that shit. Let him get into the paint, let him find shooters play four or five out a lot of the game and jack them up, get 45, three, take 45 threes, take 50 threes. I mean, in the regular season this year, the Lakers were one and three against when teams took 45 or more threes against them. That's a small sample size. It's not like the, it's probably, it might not be the answer, but when you lose two of your three best offensive threats, you probably have to throw something different out there. And one easy thing to do is play fast. So, so here's why I, I love that. Like, you're facing LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, arguably, your best player is going to probably miss game two. Your leading scorer is out. It's, yeah, it's they're nearing, both doubtful. Yeah, it's nearing hail mary territory. <laughs> like, it's weird, right? It, it, it is weird because being down two zero against the best team in the NBA is not. That's not even hail mary territory. Like, teams go down two zero and come back all the time in the playoffs i'm talking about the injuries though right the injuries yeah but so the question is this which we don't know the only the heat know this how bad are the injuries so it it, like if i'm eric spolstra and i'm like okay i'm not gonna have these guys the rest of the series then i'm probably going and now it's hail mary like throw everything against Mm -hmm. the wall and see what sticks yeah if i think it's just one game and I'm going to have them both back soon, or Bam's definitely... I, I would change some things up, but I wouldn't fundamentally alter what we do because, again, even if you lose game two and you go mm-hmm. down 2-0, yes, the, the hole is gigantic. But if you get your team back, even if you get Bam back healthy or 80 to 90% and you get Goran back 70%, which mm-hmm. it doesn't look like you're going to, but just say you think you are, Maybe you just stick with what got you there and hope they come back for game three or game f- and, and you make a run. If they look like they're out like for good, for a long, then yeah, change it up. And even mm-hmm. for this game, I would still try to push the pace a little more because that's just not the way the Lakers play. Yeah. Yeah, again, this is a, there's a big, big unknown here. Like you said, only the Heat really know. Um, yeah, and let me tell you something. Myers Leonard last year when the Blazers were, their backs were against the wall, that, that dude had 30 against the Warriors in the conference finals. Ooh. in game four with trying to save them from getting swept. They only lost by two. They still got swept, 
but he had 30. Just, that man had just, 30. Myers Leonard can with... get it, can get buckets, and he can get <laughs> no, it. He can win. And he can get it, but he can get buckets. I was going to say, I have a hard time rooting for him ever since my girlfriend called him Cartoon Hercules. So I, it's not like I can really get Daddy. behind him. Uh. <laughs> I mean, so he's going to have to play. He might even start. He might start. I would start him because he's a much better matchup against. Well, shit, he he wouldn't be guarding Anthony Davis because they he would be it would be Dwight. Man, I don't know what they do. I would probably I would probably start in his own. I would I would also probably start. I I think they also I would like to see them change their zone because I think that like that traditional two three that they do leaves the paint a little too vulnerable. They were getting into the paint whenever they wanted. I don't know if they have another zone. I haven't seen it. But if they did like a 1-3-1 one, one type of thing or 2-1-2 two, two, where there's somebody in the middle of the zone stopping them from getting those easy entry passes or the dribble penetration, maybe it's that. Or like a matchup zone where they can still double AD every time he gets a touch. I don't know. It, it's interesting. There's there's ways to do it. And this 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 the sort of feels like that game where everyone's given up. Everybody on the planet has given up. And that's the type of game where I'm like, I think the Heat can win that game. Maybe they still lose 4-1. But like it just strikes me as one of those games where it's like everyone's given up, so they come out and shock the world. So I'm gonna pick them to cover nine and a half. Okay. Look, I'm, I, I don't I'm gonna, know if they're gonna win, but I'm picking them to cover nine and a half. I'm gonna go. Lakers minus nine and a half only because of the injuries. I just don't like, I, I just, Bam's injury is too weird. Drogic's injury seems super serious. I just think they don't have the firepower. If Bam is healthy, then like. Well, the, no, no, Bam and Gorn are probably, are, they're doubtful. So if they're doubt, they're probably not playing. Right. So I'm saying that's what I'm basing my pick off. Right, right. Minus yeah, yeah. The, the health thing don't even take that into consider. I mean, take it into consideration in the fact that they're not playing. So, yeah. So that's why I'm going minus nine and a half. And it's a shame because I was looking forward to just some great games throughout the series, but this one looks like the heat are, are outgunned big time. Well, they're definitely outgunned, but again, it just, there's something about it. It just strikes me as one of those weird, somebody on the heat that's unexpected is going to go for 25. Maybe it'll be Kendrick. Maybe Kendrick Nunn just goes for 30. That'd be a treat. Great, you should bet that somewhere. If that, if you can find that anywhere, I think you can get pretty good greatest, odds on that. Yeah. Greatest first two games ever in the NBA Finals by a rookie. <laughs> um, uh, we'll see. Hopefully, it's at least just a good game. Uh, hopefully, you get a good game and they're not all blowouts because of the injuries. Because that would be a shitty way to end the season. That's been pretty good in the bowl. So, um, we'll see. Nine o'clock tonight. We'll uh, we'll check you guys on Monday and we'll hopefully have competitive series to continue to talk about. See you then.